Hello, and thank you for listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. I am Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. Do you know someone with autism? Chances are you do. It's common knowledge now that autism rates have skyrocketed in the past generation. But there is considerable debate as to what causes autism. Could it be the vaccines? Well, that's a possibility many have already explored. But what if diet could also be a contributing factor? What if many of the neurodegenerative conditions inflicting our society are diet-related? What if even health-conscious people are regularly consuming something that turns their immune system against them? Our guest today, Dr. Matthew Buckley, is a naturopathic doctor, chiropractic, and expert in holistic health and autoimmune disease prevention and treatment. He's going to share with us how our immune system works for and sometimes against us, depending on our dietary and lifestyle choices. Welcome to the show, Dr. Buckley. Thanks for having me, Teresa. Oh, my pleasure. In the interest of full disclosure, you are my naturopathic uh, doctor, and um, so just want everybody to know that um, that you've been we've been working together for a long time now, many years, maybe five or six years. Uh huh. And um, really, really pleased overall with uh, with where my health is going. Not that I hold you responsible, totally, um, but uh, you certainly have contributed a lot of great insight and uh, assistance with uh, with my health and, and my son's health. Um, so this is an area that um, you've really focused on in the last couple years. Why is that? Well, I got into the field of healthcare because I had my own health con- <clears throat> condition that um, wasn't really being addressed or adequately addressed through the, the conventional system. Uh, specifically, uh, in my late teens, I started to develop uh, widespread aches and pains accompanying fatigue that um, ultimately was uh, diagnosed as you know something called fibromyalgia, and. Um, isn't that unusual my, for a young, healthy yeah, male? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And, um, you know, that was one of the things that was particularly perplexing. And, um, you know, I was told that I was depressed, and I was depressed. But, um, you know, I, I knew that some of my, my problems were, were definitely uh, physical in nature and that the uh, Paxil and Zoloft that I was described they weren't really going to cut it, so I I had uh, some some positive benefit from doing some body work. Chiropractic was something that uh, you know my family had brought me up with, and I you know I said, well, I'm going to have to figure this out on my own. And I had always been interested in you know how the body works, so eventually found my way into chiropractic. And once I got into chiropractic, then I found uh, different techniques within chiropractic, and some of those techniques incorporate in naturopathic concepts. Um, and it was through that that I really started to find real answers, and the bulk of my problems were immunological and, and basis. And um, the immunological issues were um, chronic infections within the gut, primarily. There's a few other issues, but those are the big things. And once you start to really look at the, the issues of uh, GI infections and the factors that go into that and examine how the immune system responds to that, then that really starts to uncover a lot of what's going on within a lot of degenerative diseases that are out there. <clears throat> so that's how I got to do what I do today. So in essence, when you talk about immunological diseases or issues, you're talking about the immune system not not operating the way it should. Right. So there's, you know, when people think about immune system function and in terms of, like, disease prevention, there's a lot of belief and assumption that, well, I, I just need to boost my immune system. And, you know, that's not entirely true when it comes to a lot of uh, 
issues of chronic illness. The, the issues can be related to how the, the immune system is balanced because if, if you have a, an imbalance within certain components of your immune system, you can, you can be more prone to go into a destructive pro-inflammatory state. And likewise, it could be underactive too, and then that you could be more prone to, <laughs> excuse me, different types of uh, immunological challenges like cancer. So, you know, identifying the things that, that skew the immune system is, is really an important part of, <clears throat> you know, solving this, this puzzle of chronic illness. And that's... Um, you know, that's something that I, I talk about in the uh, most recent blog post that I did. And let's talk about immunity, because it might be obvious to most people, but what exactly do you define as your immune system? Well, your immune system is largely made up of your your digestive system. 80% of your immune system is found within the gut. You know, so you got your lymphatic system, you got your thymus, and you got your bones. Those all play, you know, very significant um, elements to your your immune system function. And when you when you look at the the different factors that uh, really weigh upon um, the immune system, since it largely you know rests within the the gut, then you got to look at what's going on within diet and how <clears throat> how it is that our diet is shaping what, what we refer to as the microbiome. And the microbiome is, is really a, a term to describe the, the trillions of microbes that live in and on our bodies. So what we eat and how we break it down will dictate which types of microbes will tend to proliferate. And depending upon what we've eaten, some of those microbes may become dominant in um, our ecosystem, our microbiome, and become perpetual generators of inflammation and destruction. And that's really where the research is, is headed <clears throat> with regard to um, chronic degenerative diseases, is understand, understanding what's going on within the microbiome <clears throat> and how all of this does relate to inflammation. And inflammation is the body's response to what? Well, inflammation is largely um, an expression of how the immune cells communicate with one another through the immune messaging molecules called cytokines. There's other things called prostaglandins that are also, you know, involved in there, and the prostaglandins are largely shaped by, you know, other things that we eat, like fatty acids. But when you're looking at the immune component, you're largely looking at how these cytokines are released, these immune messenger molecules. And when we're looking at the issues within the, the digestive system um, with the, the use of um, antibiotics um, that come in our food or, you know, you take an antibiotic for strep throat or something like that, well, that'll alter the, the microbiome. <clears throat> and some of those microbes, you don't want, becoming dominant, and as they become dominant, for various reasons, they'll secrete things that will break down the lining of the intestines, and then the microbe can actually enter into the bloodstream, and the immune system will respond to that with these cytokine molecules saying, hey, we need to deal with this. <clears throat> but if you, if you think about it with, with these, these microbes, they become dominant in, in a culture within our, our ecosystem, and it perpetually elicit this, this inflammatory response. And the, the thing about it is that the inflammation that can occur from this breakdown within the, the digestive system can initiate an inflammatory response within the nervous system. And when we look at the issues of neurodegenerative conditions, that's where the research is at. <clears throat> trying to understand, well, how do we deal with this inflammatory response? And the, the thing about it is that if, if the research shows that an, an infection anywhere within the periphery of the body, particularly a bacterial infection, um, is going on, 
that will initiate this low, at least a low-level um, response of inflammation within the nervous system. And as you become more and more toxic, then that those immune cells become more and more skewed and tilted in the direction of going into this uh, destructive pro-inflammatory state. And the body then, when it's an inflammatory uh, state, it is weaker or becomes weakened. And at some point, it's like a glass shattering. It's the last thing on the glass that um, ends up shattering the glass. And up to a certain point, your body can take it until it can take it no more. Right. Well, you know, a, a lot of the a lot of the issues that that people have, um, at least neurologically, you know, before they before they're diagnosed, well, you have Alzheimer's, you have Parkinson's disease, or ALS, or whatever. You know, they, they were manifesting in other ways that people really weren't paying attention to. And those those ways are, are things like fatigue. Uh, you know, I mean, chronic fatigue is, is a uh, um, commonly going to end up uh, resulting in a neurodegenerate, an advanced neurodegenerative condition like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's. The research does show that. Really? Yeah. So yeah, all absolutely. these people running around with chronic fatigue syndrome. It's a precursor yep. to something worse? Yep, it is. The, you don't hear much about that, but, yeah, that's what the research shows. The research also shows that, um, you know, that they can track the, the fatigue back to elevations within certain types of cytokines. So, you know, some of the testing for identifying pathogens is, you know, not very good. Um. So that's one of the things that's really kind of lagging within the conventional model. Uh, you know, the conventional model doesn't really acknowledge chronic low-grade infections as, as being an issue, um, but indeed they are. Um, however, you can do different types of testing that can clue you in that um, your immune system is out of balance, which can suggest that infections may be, may be present. And that, you know, there's, there's tests that, that do measure for cytokines cytokines and neurotransmitters. Hmm. Interesting. Because there, mm-hmm. as you know, it's just epidemic, right? Chronic fatigue. And yeah. uh, I, there's so many people or, you know, there's so many mm-hmm. names to chronic fatigue, um, but so many people running around with, with chronic fatigue or, or that type of fatigue type of... Um, Persistent di- fatigue, right. And, you know, the, the thing about chronic fatigue is that Chronic fatigue is, is a, a general label. There are some people that, you know, their issues with, with the fatigue is, is more of a relationship to, you know, basic mineral deficiencies or, um, you know, adrenal issues just from not getting enough sleep and working too hard. But, you know, when you're in that state, at some point in time, your immune system is going to, you know, be over overwhelmed and you're going to be dealing with chronic infections that occur at least in your gut which ultimately will drive into persistent systemic infections in a pro-inflammatory state. And you talk about the gut being 80% your immune system, and I don't think most people realize that. No, <clears throat> no you, you, you don't hear much about that. Um, when you start to really contemplate, well, what does that really mean that my, my gut is my immune system? Um, then that, that brings into focus the... You know, well, what is it that we're putting into our bodies that may be so destructive to our immune system? And perhaps uh, infectious disease prevention should be looked at more in the direction of optimizing the microbiome as opposed to trying to elicit antibody responses to different types of microbes through vaccines, which carry their own sorts of uh, ill consequences as it relates to inflammatory states within the body. So how would you optimize the biomes? Well, the, the big thing that you've got to do is you've got to look at, um, you know, the different fuels that help to cultivate the, the microbes. And um, so the, the big thing that people are going wrong with is um, they're consuming genetically modified food, which tends to have uh, Roundup residue in it. 
people don't understand that. But uh, the bulk of the genetic modification that's going on right now is is uh, being done to allow these crops to become tolerant to the herbicide Roundup. And as Mother Nature tends to adapt to its challenges, the Roundup will have to get sprayed more and more on these crops. <clears throat> And that residue does accumulate. It is finding its way into the food supply, and so people are consuming that. And the, the basic ingredient within Roundup is a, is a chemical called glyphosate. Glyphosate is a patented antibiotic. So that antibiotic is going to alter the ecology within the, the microbiome. It's going to shift it in the direction of being prone to being dominant within pathogenic strains of uh, microorganisms. The research does show that. So that's one of the, the key things. Now, the other thing is that you got to look at, uh, well, what would these pathogenic microbes really feed on? Well, they, they primarily feed upon sugar, and most people are consuming way too much sugar. So that also tips it in the wrong direction. The carbohydrates go along with it, right? So you're going to eat your breads. Um, uh, wheat isn't currently genetically modified within the United States, but it's a common practice for the the farmers to actually spray Roundup on the crops as a drying agent three days before they're harvested. So it's, it's even finding it onto, excuse me, non-genetically modified food. Really? So that's an issue. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, those, those are the, the basics of where you want to start. So, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, I, I find benefit from eating a paleo diet. And a paleo diet is basically like it's a grain-free diet. Well, why would that work? Why would that show benefit? Well, a couple of reasons. One, you're going to remove the grains. They're going to feed a lot of the, the wrong microbes, right? You're going to remove the sugar. They're going to feed a lot of the wrong microbes. You're going to remove the dairy that will generate mucus and allow for these pathogenic microbes to actually grow in. So that's a core core component to actually working on getting your your, your diet right and your gut right and your immune system right. In fact, I won't work with anybody who is unwilling to change the diet because it's pointless. Because I know that if they're unwilling to actually take the steps to change their diet, to work on detoxifying their system, they don't have any chance of getting better, you know. And that's fine. You can take the medications that, that are there and, you know, manage, try to manage your system, you know, symptoms as best you can that way. But, you know, good luck. <clears throat> So if someone was, and I think this is a really, really important point, if somebody were to go to a, a naturopath or let's say, a, 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 you know, their regular medical doctor, right, and they've got all mm-hmm. sorts of symptoms, they don't feel well, they're chronically fatigued, um, they, they have chronic sinus infections and um, just overall not feeling well, not doing well, if they are on a diet of grains and wheat and GMO food and sugar, there's nothing they can do to get better. I mean, they can take all the medicine in the world, but at the end of the day, they are not going to get better. Ultimately, no. They, they, you can certainly, depending upon the vitality of the individual, right, um, <clears throat> an individual can take, if they got a sinus infection, you know, that just came about, you know, because it means it's kind of broke, broken down a bit. Um, and then they eat in the wrong things. They take an antibiotic. You know, that, that might be good enough for a while. And, but they're not, they're going to manifest problems sooner or later. You know, and there's, there's other factors that play in here, too. And, um, you know, you got genetic elements that play a role within this. You've got issues of where you're breastfed as a child, where you're born through a C-section or vaginally. I mean, those things play a significant role in how our immune system is going to be shaped. But yeah, if you if you're eating the wrong things, uh, and and you're dealing with a chronic chronic health problem, you know you're you're gonna have a lot of trouble actually getting over it long term. And that's where, you know, the people that come in to see me, they tend to have these, these chronic health problems. And um, that's, that's what I really work with. And going yeah. back to the Roundup and the glycophosphate, it really is a very dangerous chemical. If you've ever seen the images of um, the guys in the spacesuit handling the chemicals, 
it's really scary. And I think it's a great picture of how toxic that chemical is. They're actually spraying it on our food that we're consuming, right? Putting in our bodies. But those that are spraying it are wearing these space suits to protect them from the chemical. And it causes all sorts of issues, not only immune um, immune issues, but, you know, birth defects and um, reproductive issues and miscarriages and um, just all types of issues, not just, you know, these autoimmune issues, right? Right. The, the base molecule within Roundup is a glyphosate. And glyphosate is recognized, they call it a, a glycine analog. <clears throat> glycine is an amino acid within the body. And when you look at, well, what, is, what does glycine really do? Because if, if you have a, 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 a substance that's similar in structure, it'll tend to act upon the same um, substances that the, the primary structure would, right? That's what uh, a lot of um, medications are really based off of. We'll see uh, your, your body's own chemical, and then they'll modify it just slightly so it acts upon the, the same um, receptors within the body, but <clears throat> because they've altered it, it can be patented, and then the pharmaceutical companies can make money off of it. So when it comes to glyphosate being a glycine um, analog, it's quite possible that the, uh, the glycine is being interfered with biochemically, and there's a number of consequences, very significant biochemical consequences that can come from that, that will affect the ability to detoxify, that will affect the thyroid, um, which will affect all your steroid hormones and their production. You know, how many commercials do you see for, for uh, OT for men? Tons. You know? Right. <clears throat> so it can play a role within that, and there's a number of reasons why that can be, but that's one of them. And... Um, uh, I mean, one of the more significant things is that uh, glycine is a core element to the uh, molecule called glutathione. And it's really, when, when you look at the research, when you're looking at these neurodegenerative conditions and how the immune cells, they, they shift from this, this beneficial state of repair and surveillance into this pro-inflammatory state, <clears throat> the fulcrum by which they actually tip into that pro-inflammatory state is predicated upon the cells of the immune system to maintain adequate amounts of glutathione. So if the glyphosate is interfering with the ability for our bodies to produce the glutathione to begin with, then you're, you're getting primed for this pro-inflammatory activity to occur within the nervous system. Right? The immune cells get shifted in that direction. So that's, that's another way in which this molecule can be so, so disruptive. I mean, some people say <clears throat> that, you know, when we look at um, the issue of, you know, this, this problem of pesticides, herbicides, um, as it relates to, like, you know, Roundup being approved right now, that we should look to the good old days of using DDT. Because DDT is nowhere near as impactful biochemically as what Roundup is. You know, this, this, people need to understand that when it comes to genetic modification, this is probably the, the most dangerous element of it all right now, and they're probably eating it every day and don't realize it. Well, it's interesting when I have these conversations with, with many people, you know, some are just skeptical that our government or that a corporation like Monsanto would really do something that would be harmful to so many people or allow something in the food supply that is so harmful to so many people. How do you respond to that? Uh, I find it laughable anymore. I mean, I... <clears throat> I mean, the, the evidence that the government will lie to you to get you to do things is, you know, it's, it's there. Take your pick of, of you know, examples that you want to you wanna look at. Um, so, you know, the government, when it comes to the issue of, of Monsanto and having these chemicals approved, well, Obama appointed a former VP from 
Monsanto to be our food safety czar, you know. So that's compromise. That's that's one way in which you know we're gonna we're gonna be forced to deal with you know Monsanto getting everything rubber stamped as being approved for whatever it is that they want to do. And secondly, when you look at the the Supreme Court, Clarence Thomas was <clears throat> a formal lawyer for Monsanto, and any time a a legal decision regarding Monsanto has been brought to the Supreme Court. He never once recused himself. So, you know, it's corrupt. And if you want to continue to, to rely upon these so-called experts to tell you what's, what's safe to put in your food, well, good luck. Good luck. Well, there's also the issue of vaccines, right? And in, in conversation regarding Monsanto, vaccines typically come up. And again, how the government can allow, how can our government allow, you know, poison to be injected into the population, right? You know, all the issues of the vaccines are just completely overblown and really fabricated because the government's looking out for us. And these pharmaceutical companies, why would they want to harm people? They're in the business of trying to get people well. Yeah. Name, name something that the pharmaceutical companies have actually truly cured in one thing. So doesn't how, exist. I'm sorry? I mean, you, there's, there's nothing that, that the pharmaceutical companies have actually cured. Sure, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that they've created um, or synthesized that have helped people to manage, you know, different, different problems, but they're not curing anything. And, and big pharma, as it relates to vaccines in relationship to the government, that's completely corrupt, and that's been exposed by recent whistleblowers who were involved with studies at the CDC involving the, um, the link between the MMR vaccine and autism. And one of the, one of the co-authors of, of a study at, at the CDC, <clears throat> um, Dr. William Thompson, he, he admitted, and uh, these, <clears throat> these documents that he had at, while he was at the CDC, they've, they've been turned over to uh, the journalist Ben Swan, who should be releasing them within the next couple of weeks, um, showing that uh, they cooked the data to conceal the link between the MMR vaccine and autism. And his two co-authors were our executives at the CDC. So he sat and he was ordered to actually shred documents to cover that up. So if they would do that on one study, why would anybody believe any other study that comes from them, particularly as it relates to the vaccine issue? So, no, it's when it comes to vaccines, you know, the, oh, there's no, there's no evidence showing any link between autism and vaccines. There is, there's actually quite a bit of evidence to show that. But the, the, the key element that people get caught up in is, well, you know, I was vaccinated. I didn't develop autism. Or my child was, was vaccinated. And he didn't develop autism, you know. So how can it be that the vaccines are not causing autism or any sort of other, you know, chronic illness? you know, for everybody else. Well, the reason why that is is because people have unique immune systems. <clears throat> and it's quite likely that the mothers of the autistic kids were already dealing with a skewed immune system to begin with or, you know, whatever happened in utero with that child, you know, whatever the, the mother was exposed to and toxins were passed on to her. You know, that could have affected the immune balance within these kids. You know, the, the medical professional looks at, well, all these kids are we're all equal. Everybody should get vaccines, except if you have, you know, a known allergic reaction to any of the ingredients within there. But otherwise, everybody's all equal. Let's give them to you. But we know that's not true. We know that not everybody has an equal balance of the immune system. We also know that one component of the immune system can be revved up in one person versus another, and that if you have that, that component revved up in your immune system, you are very much likely to develop an autoimmune condition. So the, the entire practice of giving vaccines is, is really based off of very, very poor science on a number of fronts, and it's supported by the pharmaceuticals' control 
of the FDA and the CDC as it relates to vaccine policy. I call it the synergistic relationship between big food, big pharma, and the FDA and the CDC. I mean, it really is a revolving door. And um, there's, you know, we talk about third world countries and how corrupt they are, right? But we are just, I think, more artful uh, in how we um, bribe the government and our, our government officials. Maybe it's not a direct bribe with a suitcase full of, you know, dollars, right? Um, but certainly it's, um, there is something absolutely and definitely going on. How does this issue, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say this, this is worth pointing out here. Okay. So I just did a blog post on this. And when you look at, when you look at all forms of chronic disease across the board within the United States are increasing, have been increasing almost exponentially, um, over the last 25 years. And so when we, when we try to examine them, well, what, what may have changed about our lives within the last 25 years that, that we could potentially relate it back to and, and try to solve the puzzle, right? So the big things that have changed have been, one, the explosion of wireless technology, two, the widespread use of Roundup-ready crops, and three, the number of vaccines that are given and recommended. And the way that all this works is that <clears throat> it's the, the microbiome gets altered, as I had already discussed. And we're living in a sea of electromagnetic smog, your Wi-Fi, your cell phone towers, uh, possibly your smart meter on your house. All these, these wireless technologies are promoters of free radical production within the body. And when, when we look at this, this issue of these, these free radicals, well, how does our body deal with, with uh, suppressing free radicals? The primary free radical of most concern when we're looking at the issue of the EMF is the production of something called peroxynitrite. Well, the body utilizes the, the sleep hormone called melatonin, largely to quench that production of the peroxynitrite. So recent research has shown that um, when we're looking at these pro-inflammatory conditions within the body, the subset of the immune system that's overexpressed and driving inflammation is called the TH system, TH17 system of the immune system. <clears throat> When that's overexpressed, you're much more prone to things like autoimmunity. The TH17 system dominance is seen in uh, autism, <clears throat> it's seen in Parkinson's, it's seen in uh, Alzheimer's, ALS. These, <clears throat> these imbalances are going to be driven by our body's inability to keep that TH17 system in check. Now, the key cellular switch that's necessary for dampening that side of the immune system is melatonin. So, what I believe we're really looking at is the synergy primarily, and there's other factors that play in here as well, but it's these three things that I believe really make up the three-legged stool of chronic, chronic pro-inflammatory conditions that... You know, if you were going to characterize all these degenerative conditions into one word, it would be inflammation. And, and so you have to look at, well, what's going on with melatonin? And, well, melatonin is, is, plays a role within our gut as well. You know, melatonin plays a role within a lot of really important things within the body. It, it plays a role in turning the uh, key cellular switch for our body's production of glutathione. And remember, when you're looking at the immune cells and the nervous system on whether or not they go into this pro-inflammatory state or not, is largely dependent upon their ability to maintain adequate amounts of glutathione. So low levels of melatonin will not only lead to a pro-inflammatory state, but it's going to lead to toxicity because you don't produce adequate amounts of glutathione both of which are major promoters of disease. Now you introduce into the, the system a pro-inflammatory substance 
which is what a vaccine is. You know, they put substances in there to induce an inflammatory response. And the TH17 system is a component of the memory system of the, of the immune system. You're amping that up already. It's probably, in a number of people, it's already amped up. So it's those three things. I'm certain of it. I've got, I've got uh, a very good case made on my, my most recent blog post about it. And those three things are vaccines? Vaccines, the genetically modified food, uh, Roundup in particular, and... Um, EMF? The EMF. Yeah, the EMF is it's the unseen uh, factor in all this, right? You know, you don't really notice it. <laughs> there, and there's a number of things that will actually affect melatonin uh, production, and one of which I, I tie back to the issue of the Monsanto, too, because one of the things that, that occurs when you get this, this alteration of this uh, gut ecology becomes dominant, these pathogenic strains of bacteria, you're going to have trouble actually producing serotonin within the gut. The bulk of your serotonin is actually produced in your, in your digestive system. And serotonin is the precursor molecule. It's the base ingredient for the production of melatonin. So low levels of serotonin lead to low levels of melatonin. So you get, get hit a couple ways there. So, Dr. Buckley, so many of our listeners are all over the country, right? And they don't have access to you here in Austin, Texas. What would someone who's suffering from these kind of autoimmune issues, um, and, and let's say it hasn't gotten to that to that point, right? But just, you know, fatigue and just um, general malaise and not feeling well and knowing that something's wrong, right? They're just not feeling that well. How do they start to get their health on track? Um, well, there's... Okay, so there's, there's really, when, when I work with somebody, you know, somebody's coming in and they don't really have this understanding of, uh, you know, a holistic approach because we, we become conditioned that you go to the doctor, the doctor diagnoses your problem, here's your remedy, you're on your way, go deal with that, right? Well, it's not that simple when, you, when you're approaching it from a holistic standpoint. You have to look at, well, what shaped the body to, to come to the point where it's broken down and you have to try and unwind a lot of that. And so detoxification is a you know, core element to it. So the first thing that I recommend that people go on is a diet. And in fact, I, some people contact me. I just talked to them for a bit. I said, well, you know, why don't you do a paleo diet for 30 days? And if you're able to do that, <clears throat> um, then let's, let's talk again in a month and let's see how you do. Because that's where it's all going to start. And the reason why that is is because a paleo diet is going to remove the primary foods that are cultivating the wrong microbiome. Okay? The other thing that they're going to do is that they're going to work to stabilize blood sugar and the insulin response. <clears throat> because if you don't get your, your insulin under control, then you're not going to get anything else under control either. So you have to get, you have to get the... So the gut microbiome healthy, you have to get insulin under control, and the paleo diet will go a long way towards doing that. It's the foundation. Okay, one, one word there. There's so many people who, you know, there seems to be a whole camp that's paleo and then a whole camp that's vegetarian, right, and, and no meat. Yeah. And there's such yeah. a, you know, both are rabid, right, in their thinking, well, here, I, so when it comes to paleo, I'm not, I'm not hugely, I'm not a huge advocate of eating a lot of meat. In fact, I lean more towards like a pescatarian type diet, minus the grain. So, <clears throat> um, most people need some some animal protein. You know, there's there's certain vegans that are out there that that are able to pull it off. But you know, I think that's that has a lot to do with genetic uh, predis- predisposition. But uh, if you're overweight, then you know, if you're if you're going to go vegan and avoid the grains um, and sugar, you'll go a long way towards helping your situation out, at least for a period of time, because <clears throat> you can burn off a lot of your fat, and you can go into a state of ketosis, which has a, a number of benefits um, in terms of detoxification, too. So, you know, everybody's, everybody's a little bit different in terms of what diet they may need, you know, that's ideal for them. But there's certain things that you can look at and you can say, well, if I don't get my, my insulin and my blood sugar under control, I'm not going to do well. And if I don't control 
you know, how I'm cultivating my microbiome, then I'm not going to get well either. So however you do that, you know, you know, that's, that you, you need to, you need to understand those points and maybe you can make it work uh, as a vegetarian. <clears throat> I can't do it personally. So I do eat some fish. And I'll, you know, I'm not too, too, too totally opposed to eating um, chicken, a little bit of red meat here and there. I don't eat much of it. Okay. And so that's where you start. You start with the diet, and then what? And then you need to look at um, going after the, uh, the bad microbes that you've cultivated. You need to work on um, really doing a colon cleanse. And there's, there's different things for that. <clears throat> um, but you, got, you want to work on cleaning out the colon because the colon's going to, if you don't get that right and you're working on detoxification, you're not going to make headway. Because a lot of the toxicity that you're, you're getting, that you're feeling within your body, is because those microbes that, are, that you've cultivated that you don't want, they're, they're creating waste products that are poisoning your body. So you, you have to get that cleaned out. So, you know, doing... Doing a colon cleanse is going to work on, on addressing that is, is first. And then, then you can look at um, supporting the, the liver and the kidneys after that. But um, that's where it's at. You have to, you have to really address <clears throat> and understand that you, you likely have infections, chronic infections that need to be addressed. And you talk and, um, a, a lot about parasites as well, right? Parasites are probably the most underdiagnosed of all the chronic infectious uh, agents that, that people are dealing with, yeah. And um, part of that is, part of the reason is that um, there's this mindset, if you didn't travel out of the, the country, then, you know, the likelihood that you have a parasitic infection is, is somewhat remote. Well, the CDC acknowledges that about a third of the United States is dealing with some form of uh, chronic parasitic infections. <clears throat> and um, so, yeah, I find, I find parasites to be uh, hugely underdiagnosed. And even if, even if you're working with a functional practitioner and they're utilizing uh, stool testing, you know, stool testing, the gold standard for, for stool testing is um, taking a, a stool sample from uh, three different days and then having a, uh, a technician, a parasitologist, look at that underneath the microscope to determine if there's, there's parasites in there or not. Well, studies have actually shown when they've when they've tried to see how accurate these uh, um, technicians are that for some of these these uh, parasites, <clears throat> that the best that they could do was sixty percent. This, this is like only looking at about four different flavors of parasites, and so nearly half of them were being not diagnosed, so a false negative, and that's the gold standard. When these um, technicians knew that they were being tested, they weren't blinded. They were they knew that they were being tested, so they themselves were under the microscope, and that's the best they could do. So when you when you take that into consideration, well, they couldn't find it. You know, at half the time, you know, and you're dealing with with whatever chronic health problem that you have, because parasites can cause any type of problem because they can go virtually anywhere within the body, <clears throat> depending upon the type of parasite. And the more depressed the immune system, the greater the likelihood that a parasite can take hold of, of uh, or can, can live inside you and thrive. Yep, they dig in. Absolutely. They will dig in. They create waste products, poison our system. And, yeah. So scary. Huge, huge problem. And something you, you know, know we don't want to, we don't like to think about, right? That we actually may be, you know, a, a, a host, right, to a parasite. <laughs> no, no. But if you have chronic illness, and you have, particularly if you have pets, and in particularly if you have cats, indoor outdoor cats, and you're dealing with a chronic uh, illness, the odds are extremely high that that cat has shared parasites with you, and that is a a major cofactor in your chronic health issue. Hmm. See it all the time. So interesting. 
So interesting. Well, we have just a couple minutes. Uh, one last thing I'd like to um, just get your thoughts on is the the recent string of these mysterious deaths among natural doctors and chiropractors. Um, I don't know if it's a coincidence or not. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, the, you know, the first the first big one that went down was uh, Dr. Jeffrey Jeffrey Bradstreet, <clears throat> and. Uh, you know, officially, his his cause of death was a suicide. But that guy was at the peak of his career. You know, his son his son had been diagnosed with uh, autism. You know, years ago, and he pretty much reversed his son's autism. You know, doing um, biomedical approaches. And one of the things that he was using was a, a substance called uh, GC Math. And um, GC Math is this. Um, natural molecule that causes what are called our macrophages, which are our body's first line of defense in terms of the immune cells, <clears throat> to become active. And he recognized that um, within this, this population of autistic kids, uh, that there was this elevation within um, this enzyme, which interferes with the body's own production of this GC mass. But upon giving it to somebody... Um, you know, injected in the body. You can also take it orally, too. Uh, that would actually bypass the way that that uh, enzyme was interfering with the immune system function. And the immune system would have an opportunity to kick in and start responding to these different types of, of uh, infections. Well, he published a study on, on just how effective this was as it relates to autism. And um, he had 15% resolution, complete resolution reported for autism. What, what percentage? Fifteen, one five. Wow. Okay, 15% didn't respond, and the rest showed some level of improvement. You know, so this, and this was kind of a, a smaller sample size. But three days before he died, his, um, his office, and I, I think his home, too, was raided by the FDA. And then he ended up turning up dead um, by allegedly shooting himself in the chest and, and dumping his body into a river. I mean... It, it just, it's not going to happen. This guy was, he was, uh, he presented earlier this year at uh, a conference called Autism One, and he's just been doing this, this really great research as it relates to uh, um, cannabis, <clears throat> cannabis oil, as it relates to this GC math molecule. He's kind of like tying these pieces together because it's, you know, it's important because the uh, cannabis issue has anti-inflammatory responses, and, and then the GC math helps to respond to the infections, which would drive these, these um uh, inflammatory response. So very, there, there's definitely a relationship there. He, he, he tied that together. So, so he was really, you know, at the forefront of of uncovering the biochemical factors that that are behind autism <clears throat> and helping to helping to unlock that. So these other doctors that have died, um, one of one of the other doctors anyway, was um, Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez out of New York and. Um, you know, he was in his 50s, said to be in really good shape, and uh, yeah, he died of a heart attack. Well, maybe he did. You know, things happen. But interestingly, he was working with GC Math as well. And so there's there's some speculation. It's not totally known, you know, whether or not it's, it's entirely true. It, it may be all random, but it's, it's curious. And, and there's speculation that these people were tied into... Um, Dr. Bradstreet and his research with, with GC Map potentially, you know, having some of their patients use it as well. Yes, and that seems to be the connection with all of them is the GC Math. Um, and if right. somebody wants more information on this, it's it's. Um, I mean, who knows, right? But you just right. Google GC Math as in Frank and doctors, and you'll see there were quite a few doctors that were involved with this um, treatment and died mysteriously. Right. Well, you know, the other thing, too, um, with what uh, Bradstreet's research was showing, you know, this issue of this nagulase, this enzyme that impairs the immune system, well, one of the, the things that will actually produce nagulase are viruses. So when you think about, well, um, when a, when a vaccine is actually created, you know, they're actually cultivating these production of viruses. Um, 
certainly, you know, there's probably nagalase in some of these vaccines, you know, coupled with you know, possibly other retroviruses that may be in there. There's research to show that that's, that's happened as well. So, you know, he was, he was doing a lot of things that um, kind of are a threat to the established um, big pharma medical model. And um, I think they took him out. I think they took him out to send a message to other practitioners, too. Well, Dr. Buckley, thank you so very much for joining us today. And um, we look forward to having you back on Living Wealthy Radio in the future with some really uh, more great information on how we can keep ourselves healthy. Well, great. Thanks for having me, Parisa. I really appreciate you having me on. Always. All right. Take good care. All right. Bye-bye. With over 50 million Americans afflicted by over 100 immune-related diseases and parasitic infections on the rise, we definitely need to step back and see the bigger picture. Autism and other neurodegenerative conditions are complicated problems that stem from a crisis of health education, dietary wisdom. You know, in the last 25 years, look at the increase in... Uh, electric magnetic frequencies and wireless communications and GMOs and vaccines, right? If we educate ourselves about how our body works and how to give it the tools it needs to heal itself, um, we can hopefully live a long, healthy, and happy life. This is Teresa Kuhn with Living Wealthy Radio. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. Download or subscribe to our podcast to hear a new show every week. I am Teresa Kuhn, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I show you ways to live wealthier. Resources are available for you on our website at livingwealthyradio.com. 